Welcome to Marty's Music Kitchen, the fun music and food podcast where anything can happen. On today's show, we're talking music and lentils with Joan Shimko, a successful composer and conductor. She's a recipient of the prestigious Raymond W. Brock Memorial Commission, given by the American Choral Directors Association. And her catalog of over 100 amazing choral works is well known across North America and beyond. Her most recent critically acclaimed work, Shadow and Light, focuses on those faced with the heartbreak of Alzheimer's dementia and is meant to offer a hopeful, healing comfort through music. Particularly if I'm writing for a choir, I feel like if I've found the right text, that's like 75% of the work. Because I get so tuned in to the words. I love language. Using the same talent that flows into the abundant lyricism and rhythmic integrity of her music and summoning the spirit of her kitchen-loving mother, she creates distinctive dishes that are sure to soothe the soul. On the menu today, warm roasted spiced sweet potatoes and a simple yet delicious red lentil soup. What's the secret ingredient to her career as a successful composer? Does the creative cooking inspire creative composing? Come with me into this kitchen and let's learn all about this inspiring musical Wonder Woman. So hi, Joan. Welcome to the show. Hey, Marty. Thanks for having me. I Thanks for me coming to my house and my kitchen. I love your kitchen. It's so cute. Thank you. You've got beautiful art, and uh, I can totally picture you playing music in here and cooking away. <laughs> more, more, more singing sometimes as I cook, but more often than not, I like peace and quiet, to be perfectly honest. Do you really? Yeah, I, I find that the older I get and the more music that has, like, come through my my veins the more I value silence uh-huh and I I tend to not you know listen particularly to recorded music quite as much but I really want to make an effort to go and hear more live music that's kind of on my on my list this fall yeah to do I'm also doing that I'm on that um you know trying to hear more live music um and it's mainly because you know we've had so many interviews now we've got so many great uh musicians in Mm -hmm. Portland and they're all my friends and I want to hear them play and sing and you know do their thing and we've got tickets actually to go see Sister Mercy in December and they were on my show oh great December so great you know it's kind of stuff like that so okay well I'm I'm in the middle of I'm middle of of making two things here great okay one is the thing that's that's sizzling that's just some onions and garlic sauteing which is kind of the base for this this red lentil soup, which I don't, I don't know when I started making it, but what's great about it is that it's, it's really easy and it's quick. The thing about red lentils uh-huh. is that they're, they're very fine. If you can see them right here, and they cook really quickly. They cook in 30 minutes, where other legumes take quite a while. So I was wondering about that yeah. because yeah. I was thinking maybe it was like, you know, beans where you have to soak them overnight no. or no. something like that. This, so. this, no, this will be uh, once everything's together and, and the liquid is incorporated yeah. into this, it's like 30 minutes. It's amazing how tiny they are. Yeah, they're really They're tiny. very cute. So um, I started sauteing these before um, you got here. This is just one big big onion which is which is kind of reducing right now so I don't want to reduce too much well and when and I, I walked in the kitchen that was the first thing that's I was the first like, thing oh you my saw. gosh it smells so, so good now in I'm adding um, fresh ground cumin and this is the thing I, I rarely buy um, 
already ground up herbs. Okay, like, I, I totally, what does cumin look like in its whole form? In its whole form, I'll show you. It's a, it's a seed. Most of these things are seeds. Huh. I've always so purchased ground cumin because I guess I didn't realize. Well, ground, that's cumin? Ground uh, spices are going to go stale. You know, and you don't, and you don't want to buy big bottles. You know, I like had this. no, can I smell it? It looks that, like. That's fresh ground. It's Woo! like it's way more potent. It's than, almost than got a sweetness to it. It does. It does. And, and, and they look like um, caraway seeds. Um, a little bit. Yeah. So I'm a amazed. Bit. Wow. Okay. This is so. You're you're gonna every every kitchen should have a mortar and pestle. So here's I'm actually gonna do add a little bit more. It doesn't look like quite enough. So you can see it's it's hard and seedy, and then you just need to grind it down to powder. Okay, and we're gonna do this with the other recipe I'm doing. And those so. just grind up, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Huh. I'm gonna add a little bit more. Whole so we're opening my world. So okay, so this soup, you basically like most good soups, start with a big old fat onion. Yep. And um, I just use olive oil as my as my shortening in here. Yep. And now I'm gonna add a, like a heaping tablespoon of tomato paste, which will give it a nice red color for the red lentil soup and also you know just some some of that acidity from the from the tomato so we'll just put a plop of that's it and again what i'm doing i didn't measure that that's what i was telling you <laughs> i cook like my mother and it, 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 it my mother's croatian and there's uh -huh. this word called proplika i hope i said that right i'm gonna have to check on it and it just kind of like by feel is right. what it means and you were you were asking you know, are you going to find out the secret to my composing? Mm -hmm. To be perfectly honest, a lot of my composing is also it's it's very intuitive and, and it's by feel. It's like it's like listening for what's what comes next. You know, I do the same thing when I write, yeah. and that's yeah. you know, I just it's listening. It's, it's a I, deep listening. If I play, it's a deep. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. that is it. It's a deep listening. Mm -hmm. um, and when I, you know, I, when I don't know what comes next, I just sit with what already is, and right. it seems to kind of write itself. Right. And when you're in the uh, flow, which you know, we we all like to think that we're <laughs> that we're in the flow more than we are. But when when you when you really are in the flow, I'm actually. Um, uh, referring to my recipe here, it really is, and, and it's this very, what word am I looking for? It's this touch and go kind of a thing. You're almost afraid that if you go too hard, too fast in one direction, that you're going to lose the feeling. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There's this, there's this feeling that you get, and it's, 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 it's literally for me sometimes kind of like this prickly kind of a, yes, kind of a feeling, and I can kind of hear what, what, what comes next, particularly when writing, you know, long lyrical vocal lines. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm sure you, as an improviser, you know what I'm talking about. It. Yeah. Because, and the other thing about you know composing for me, it's intuitive, but it's also I, I kind of think of it as kind of organized um, improvisation. Uh-huh. You're making stuff up, and and the thing about me, and I think that maybe this is why um, early on I you know I got a publisher is because, and she said this. She said your music sounds so fresh. It doesn't sound you know heavily constructed. It's because I didn't study composition. That's why I studied to be a you musician. You didn't? No, no. Well, wait a minute. I, what did you study in college? Uh, choral music education. I wanted to be a high school choir teacher. Oh, and have you ever taught high school choir? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. In fact, in fact you know, it's funny. Well, I, I, I'm from Chicago, and I went to school originally. I'm just adding some, some black pepper to this. I kind of had this this uh, revelation when I was in high school of... of that I just knew I had to, I had to study music. I was having these really 
deeply personal, impactful, visceral experiences with music, both live and recorded music. In high school? As a teenager, uh -huh. yeah. And my whole growing up period, what I wanted to do was I wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> so from and, doctor to high school choral teacher. Well, yeah, I mean, my, my parents weren't pleased, let's put it that way. Well, I, <laughs> yes, well actually, you know, you know uh, as a side note, you know my high school choir teacher, Jerry Haskins. Oh my, no, you're kidding! <laughs> She was one of the, um, well, she's one of my best friends now, and she was one of the biggest musical influences of my life, oh, and wow. still is. I, had, I so didn't know that. Well, I, well, you know. Sweet connection, right? Well, yeah, and I've just recently been um, connected with Jerry, you know, through Oregon Repertory Singer's presentation of uh, my Alzheimer's piece, Shadow and Light. Uh-huh. Because she, she was, she's on the board there. Yeah. And I mean, we know each other just from, you know, it's the, the Pacific Northwest Coral World, our, our paths have crossed of course. before, and Chris Van Auken. Did you know Chris? I did Chris know Chris. was a very dear friend Bless of hers, her soul, and I yep. knew Chris. Anyway, this this coming to be, or as to, well, Ethan Sperry was totally wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the thing has a 30-piece orchestra, you know. <laughs> that That's that's pretty, Is this, that means fundraising, right? Is that the biggest... I mean, that seems like a lot. Is that the biggest orchestration you've ever done? Yes, yes. Congratulations, yes. that is a huge deal. And, and I mean, okay, I'm gonna be just a tiny bit less humble here for, for one moment. <laughs> Please, just go for it. <laughs> is that uh, I was so, so pleased that, I mean, the, I got so much uh, good feedback about the orchestration and from orchestra players as well. And, you know, I kind of approached it in the way that I approach writing for SATB or, or women's choirs. That I, I, I like to give everybody their moment. Right, you and do the, that. And the players felt like everybody really had a moment to shine. You know, some more, more than others. Um, but, um, yeah, and, and, the, and the arc, I mean, it was a huge, it's, it's a 70-minute long yeah. piece. It was a huge arc. And, um, and, yes, it's about, it's not... In your intro, you said it's about you know the the healing power of music, and that's that's kind of a given. Mm -hmm. But really, and this was the, totally my intention all along with this piece because I did research, and I did interviews with people, and I asked everybody, "What do you want people to know about this disease, this um, about dementia, yeah. about Alzheimer's?" Yeah. And and they pretty much all said, "We just want to be seen and heard," mm -hmm. and that is such a universal need. I really wanted people who have experienced Alzheimer's dementia firsthand, you know, caring for a loved one, to, to be seen. Mm -hmm. I was telling their story. I have, to, I have to pause and just pay attention to this for a second. That's okay, let's do this. My problem when I talk and cook is that, and, and people bitch at me all the time, because I'll be making something and I just stop and I'm talking. I say, well, you make till you finish making breakfast. You know, it's like, no, no. We're starving. Okay, so we have onions, tomato paste, Onions, garlic. tomato paste, salt. Salt, that's important. And you already put in the cumin salt, and the extra cumin. And now I'm gonna put in a whole quart of Trader Joe's. Of, of tra what will we do without Trader Joe's, I right? know. Um, chicken broth. Now, you can make this vegan, and it's, and it's just as good. I like the chicken broth because I just think it's a more protein, and it also just gives it a little bit more depth, I think, of flavor. Yeah, definitely. But, um, so a quart of chicken broth. A.K.A. a whole box. Yes, <laughs> a box. That's right. And then also, to 
cups of water. So in goes the water. In goes a, just a cup of lentils, because you know how, how legumes are, they expand. They're beautiful. Cup of lentils. Any, I mean, just red. There's no other requirement and besides red in the lentil. There's red lentils. No, just, that's it. Trader but you Joe's can get them. You can right. get them. Um, I'm sure new seasons or or, or, right. or people's co-op or any, any you know. So what we're gonna do is we're just gonna like put that puppy on high and let that going. And meanwhile, my potatoes are probably burning in the oven. Let me see. Oh yes, they are. But you know what? We'll get to. They're gonna be delicious. They're gonna be delicious. Oh yeah, they are. Because you want them to be, they're a little bit overdone. But I put some aside so you, I can show you how I did this. But I, I wanted to make sure that we had the opportunity to taste it. So the thing about these, well you know about the whole yams and sweet potatoes. You know that what we call yams uh -huh. at Thanksgiving is primarily uh, sweet potatoes. Right. You know, um, they're, they're, they are very good for you. These did get a little overdone. Um, but what's great about these is um, they just have a kick to them. You're speaking and, my language. Yes. And, You're singing my song. Yeah, and the kick, both of these are going to have a little bit of kick because this has a little bit of um, red pepper in it. Um, so I'll show you right now. I know we got off track on those, so we'll get back there. So I mentioned my, my mortar and pestle here. Yeah. So what we have here is, is not cumin, but coriander. Here, I'll show you the coriander seed. Yeah. Now I'm just gonna just just for you. I'm just gonna just crush a little bit of this. Right. Coriander is the seed from da 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 cilantro. Ah. Yes. Who knew? I, right. I think I knew that yeah. once long a time in a, okay, in a so, land far far away. So again, smell that. Oh. When you do Isn't that, that amazing? It smells so fresh. I yeah. mean, it smells like you just got well, out of the Well, it is. You're, you're releasing the, the oils, the natural oils from, from, from the seed. Yeah, okay. delicious. Okay. I, I kind of use like maybe like two pounds of potatoes. Uh-huh. And you, I'm, they're cut into like these cute little wedges here. So, you know, sometimes you're fortunate to get just the right size. And by the way, um, you do want to wash these. Okay. Even though, I mean, these are root vegetables, and you mm -hmm. definitely always want to buy organic when you when you when you have root vegetables. Um, even so, they're pretty, pretty, pretty filthy. But I, I, <laughs> I, I <laughs> use anymore. a vegetable brush and just cold water on them and let them dry. So I just kind of, you know, depending on them, and I just kind of make little wedges, okay, and toss them in the bowl. So then, what you do is, you, again, I'm not measuring. I just coat with with olive oil. Yep. Right? Great. And I, I just, I pretty much always use extra virgin, even, even for things like this. What you have here for about, you know, two pounds of potatoes or so uh -huh. is, again, use, use fresh whole seed. Teaspoon of coriander and then a half teaspoon each of fennel seed, which I love fennel seed. My mother would put, I mean, I'm so lazy, I don't make red sauce anymore from scratch. I used to. The secret to my mom's red sauce is that she'd, she'd use fennel, which is, when you think about it, fennel is often an ingredient in Italian sausage. Uh -huh. It's kind of a, a licorice kind of a, here, I'll just... And she so always can, used it in her tomato sauce, huh? Well, in, yeah, in her red sauce, her meat sauce. Yeah, I'll just do a little bit so you can smell just this by itself. You're letting me experience it. I yeah, love it. Because when you put them all together, it, it gets kind of mushed up. Oh, yeah. that is strong. Yeah, so that's the fennel. Put fennel in there. And then this is what, where the kick comes from. It's from the... Um, Red pepper. From the red pepper. Gotta yeah. have it. Yeah. I use red pepper in everything. 
red pepper pretty flakes. Much, really? Pretty much everything. Yeah. Well, it, it just gives everything a nice kick. So then I'm just mixing everything together. And then finally, and I think this is what we smell a lot when it's roasting, is oregano. Mm -hmm. And then of course you want to have enough salt. You can either use, you know, ground sea salt, but you know, or, or just kosher. A lot of salt. Yes, a lot of salt, <laughs> except for when you use too much, and they're like, oh, damn. Yeah, a lot of salt until it's too much. Until it's too much, exactly. Yes. It's like a lot of oboe until it's too much. Until it's too much. <laughs> it's too funny. Um, so again, I'm just grinding again, the coriander, the fennel, the oregano, and the red pepper flakes, and then dump it. Just dump it in there and tossing it, right? And oh, it smells good. So do you also grease the pan? No, no, you don't need to. Enough, there's, there's so enough much oil on the potatoes. There's so much oil on the potatoes. Yeah. All right, so okay. the soup is so, really boiling. Okay, so now, okay, bring it to boil and we got to turn down to like simmer, to like nothing. So you turned it clear down to one. So you turned down to one. And it's and at a I, good rolling boil right now. And I'm just going to cover. leave it mostly covered. And then I'm just gonna set this for 30 minutes. And those lentils will be as soft as you, soft as can be because there's one more step to this. Once the lentils are soft, what you do is you take out like about half of it. Uh-huh. And then you use an immersion blender and you puree the lentil soup and then you add and then you put the other stuff back in. So you get kind of a creamy, chunky kind of a thing. I can't wait to try it. Yes, and then we have a little garnish. That's what this is for here. So we've got the right. potatoes going. Okay, the potatoes are going. The... So let me just get these in the oven, and then we can we can talk some more, like we've stopped talking. You know, I was going to comment that I am not. I have about I don't know, fifteen songs under my belt. And when I I started expanding my arranging skills uh -huh. when I got my own band, and uh, well, um, yeah, I started hearing things for background vocals right. so i'd write that out and then you know that would require a certain something from the piano and so you know i learned how to write scores doing that kind of a thing right and uh i am not as brave as you are in writing for an orchestra or for strings i know uh -huh. i have friends who do but uh -huh. i think i'm just gonna have to get over that work through the fear of eventually well, going in that direction I, I was talking about being an intuitive composer you, you can't that will only go take you so far when you're orchestrating, uh -huh. because you you have to know, you know. For example, you you can't um, have a uh, oh, so you mentioned oboe. You can't have an oboe. <laughs> Sorry, know, playing, oboe, oboe playing, is everywhere. Sorry, you know, playing middle C at forte and have that balance with a flute playing up an octave. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just won't. Because the, the oboe is very hard to play an oboe soft mm -hmm. that low. Yeah. You know, I mean, all, every instrument has has strengths and many of them have weak places. Strings, not so much. Another good example, trumpet. You know, I have in, in the Alzheimer's piece, there's a trumpet solo. And just to balance that one trumpet, I used, you know, both horns and bassoons. Mm-hmm. You know, because the trumpet is so is so powerful. You know, so there's there's things that you have to to know about orchestrating. Mm -hmm. so this is to say that I really studied up on it because this was a, this was a big deal. This was a huge commission. This was a um, Eugene Vocal Arts, and they wrote. Uh, I don't know if you recall. This was a few years back. The Oregon Community Foundation, which is not known for being an arts funder, started funding the arts, and they uh -huh. had this thing called the Creative Heights Initiative. And so Diane Ritalik, who's the director, um, who both her mother and her grandmother died of Alzheimer's dementia, 
Yeah. She, so she, there was a reason why she wanted a piece so, about so Alzheimer's. She was passionate about the whole idea it's her, of it. It's her experience, yeah. And 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 again, she wanted um, there to be um, something of beauty made out of this, mm -hmm. you know. So anyway, so she wrote this this big grant. And before she wrote the grant, she came to me because she'd done some of my choral music before, and she said, "Well, Joan, would you be interested in, you know, being named as the composer when I write this grant?" And you're like, uh, "Wait, let no. me think for a no. half a second. No, not exactly. <laughs> I thought, I mean, really, how often do you get the opportunity, get commissioned to write for chorus and orchestra? Yeah, you know. And she came to you. What a and what an well, honor. Well, yeah, she came to me, and um, of course I said yes. And mm -hmm. then, and then a reality struck, which is that I was writing a piece about Alzheimer's, for which I had no direct contact. So what'd you do? I um, I read a lot of books. Mm -hmm. And um, part of the grant that they wrote was to also document the whole process of this piece coming to life. So um, I was followed around by uh, uh, filmmakers uh, to, I had about five or six interviews mm -hmm. with people um, and their care partners, um, mm -hmm. people with dementia. Uh, I went to a fabulous rehearsal of the Sing Here Now choir. Mm -hmm. um, all of this was was documented, and uh, again, part of the grant there was a documentary made, and it was actually one um, best. Uh, I think it was in 2017, the Oregon Film, the Independent Filmmakers, Oregon, Oregon. It was named Best Documentary in 2017. To have a moment, actually, you can stream it on Amazon Prime, I think, or it used to be on Amazon Prime. What would we search or, if we wanted to do that? Um, it, well, it's called the Story of Shadow and Light. Perfect. Or go to AO Films. Dot com or dot org whatever mm -hmm. AO films and just google it yeah. or go to eugene concert choir yeah. how did you i'm assuming you wrote lyrics for this as well what i did is i constructed a libretto mm -hmm. from various sources so everything from um emily dickinson to uh rilke translations of rilke to um a famous hymn text to poetry written by um, caregivers, you know, um, to contemporary poetry. Actually, I think one of the strongest pieces is right in the middle, and it's called Sundowning. It's the longest piece, which is one of the more common um, characteristics that people with Alzheimer's share. It says, as at dusk, there's just can be increased anxiety, increased uh, stress and it, it's very challenging for the person living with the person. Um, yeah. But anyway, so there was everything from, you know, poetry um, written by professional poets to, in fact, one of one of my favorite, um, and I think it was one of the singer's favorite pieces, is this haiku written by Forrest Hainline, who actually was like some corporate lawyer, you know, because I, I, I wrote to everybody for permission when I used text. And it's very short and very sweet. It says, you know you love me, but you can't recall my name. So mm. we just hold hands. Yeah. That's the whole thing. And then the, the piece kind of goes off on this, on the word hold, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so everything, you know, from the end, yes, I did write, I think, two or three of them. There's 16 movements, mm -hmm. some as short as, you know, a minute long and, and right. up to about eight minutes. Yeah, but there's a whole... Again, there's a big arc, and um, and it just tells a story. 
Um, and I really had to, because I don't have direct, um, actually, I don't know if I could have written this if I did have direct contact with it. I can't imagine writing something like this and not, even if I had no experience with Alzheimer's, not feeling that emotion that, I mean, I think I would be depressed at times writing it because I don't yeah. know how I couldn't be and express that emotion, yeah. that, that, that depth of, yeah. um, that well of sadness um, in think, a way. I think there's a way, and this is what, this is what was my experience. There was a way of, of carrying the feeling, you know, without internalizing it. So mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't get depressed, but there were some pieces even, I mean, and Lord knows it went, this piece went through my head, I don't know how many times, but it's had, the piece has had like three, four performances um, so far. Mm -hmm. And particularly this last performance given by Oregon Repertory Singers, which was really, really, Aren't really, they amazing? really, it was a brilliant performance. Um, there were moments in that where I was like, you know, all choked up. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's funny. And this happens happened with me with, with, with some other works of mine. It's like once it's kind of out there, I don't feel like it, it belongs to me. Mm -hmm. So I kind of have this weird distance, like I'm very intimate with this piece of music, but I have this distance to it. Mm -hmm. And some of the pieces in that, in that oratorio, you know, I hear and it's almost like I was composing it for the first time again, feeling what I was you know, and that's just a blessing to hear your music performed, you know, number one, so well that, that I get to experience it again right. like that. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's this, I think it's like the second, second or third movement where uh, the person who is speaking as the person with Alzheimer's, this is a wonderful poem. And she's like, okay, this is what I have to do. I have to write these things down. This is what I have to tell my daughter when she calls me on the phone. And she's like going through this litany of things. This is the paper that gives the date, et cetera, et cetera. Uh -huh. And then the end of the poem, she says, um, these are the things that I have to say to sound as usual on the phone. The longer I keep my child at bay, the longer my life is still my own. Uh. And... Um, and that and for that particular movement just just would get me mm. again and again and yeah. again because you know that is the this was like my first big piece for chorus and orchestra. Mm -hmm. I really wanted uh, to be s successful with my endeavor. So number one, like I studied orchestration, but also number two, I I really made a conscious decision to do what is my strong suit, uh -huh. and my strong suit is storytelling. And my strong suit is also short form. I mean, I've been, I don't know how many choral octavos I've written, right? And so, and my strong suit is also programming, you know, as a conductor as well. Uh -huh. So in a sense, I programmed the story and, and wrote all the pieces, you know, to fit in the program. And, and, um, and, uh, and, and, and it works. I'm, I'm very proud of it and, and just really deeply hum humbled by the response um, that it's received, particularly this last performance mm. um, last month. Well, I can't wait to hear the piece in its entirety eventually. So, you know, I have to, I want to I wanna yeah. shift the subject a little bit cheers. to, oh, yes, cheers. Please. Here's to shadow and light. Oh, thank you. And good wine. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> the Marty's Music Kitchen podcast is brought to you in cooperation with Oregon Music News. I've sung for you before. You actually hired me to sing yeah. for you. 
Um, I think it was the, I don't know. It was a cruel conspiracy. Thing. I think it was cruel yeah, yeah. conspiracy. And then I, I sang and, for In, in fact, I, things, it just, I, it's so funny because not related at all to knowing I was going to see you. I just was listening to a recording that you're singing on. Really? Yeah. I don't wow. know if you remember. It was. I'm a much better singer now, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you sang the solo on, on this piece. I don't know if, I'm, I'll be surprised if you remember it. Um, is the God who only knows four words? Oh, I know. And that remember song. the hard, the hard shoe dancer was like accompanying it. It was like uh, every child, um, every child has known God. Every child, mm -hmm. you know, not the God of names, not the God of of don'ts, mm -hmm. but the God who only knows four words and keeps repeating them. Yeah. Come dance with me. Do you remember that? I do remember yeah. that. Come dance with me. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of a rollicking thing. The chorus was was kind of doing a lot of just, you know, not, I hate that word, nonsense syllable. So they're making sounds. Yeah. The chorus was making sounds. They're supporting. They were, they were they're supporting, supporting that yes. line. So yeah. I'm so glad we have this conversation because I've sung so many of your pieces in other choirs at oh, this point. Okay. I'm not a member of a choir currently, right. but um, over the years, and um, you ha had said earlier that when you wrote for orchestra, you gave them each like their own moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe that's why your pieces are so loved by uh, the people mm -hmm. that are able to perform them because they all feel that they're part of something larger and they all get their moment in the sun. Mm -hmm. And I love that about your writing. Well, there's, there's, thank you. There, there's that, and but the, the, the piece that's actually like connected to that uh -huh. is that I know how to write for voice. So the lines, even if they're somewhat acrobatic, uh -huh. you know, they, they, they feel, um, they're in the voice, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I, I get that comment a lot from singers how they they, they enjoy singing my music, and I think it's because physic the physical feeling of mm -hmm. singing it mm -hmm. is enjoyable. Yes, you know? it's not like a, a mental. Oh, it's a pretty melody, and I'm hearing it, it's like the sensation of singing yeah. it feels good. I was singing with a, a choir downtown. Um, probably, I don't know, eight years ago now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can remember the excitement when um, the conductor at the time, uh, Mark Slagers, who's really great. Oh yeah, Mark. He, he, he said, he said, okay, we're gonna do this new Joan Shimko piece and everybody went, oh, you know, <laughs> it was like this eruption of they, excitement. Oh, that's so great. So they, I, and they, I, I they are fans, yeah. yeah. And Mark, Mark was, so, in fact, when I, I can't believe it, I've been in Portland now, this is my 26th year in Portland. Is it really? I can't believe it, yeah. But he was one of, and I don't even know how he found me, probably through uh, David York and the Concord Community of Cars. But anyway, mm -hmm. he like immediately asked me if I had some music and would I share it with him. And he started doing my music right away. He was a, a really, uh, an early booster, so. Yeah, well, so as a conductor myself, um, off and on throughout my career, I know, you know, the first thing you do, especially if you've got a high school choir or a jazz choir, is you go out and you make friends with the composers. Oh. You find out who can write, and then right. you say, hey, got anything new? Because then you're there not you doing right. the, the same arrangement right. that, you know, that everybody's That's done for. That's what's so cool about the choral art, you know, there really is this, this um, relationship building Mm -hmm. between composer and and conductors 
Um, and it's also, uh, you know, I've, on, a, on a few occasions when I've, I've been a guest at, say, in, in an academic setting, in a university setting, and, and I'm there as a choral person, but, you know, they want to get the most out of me, so they always want me to talk to the composition students, you know, so I always present. And um, one of the things I always tell them is I say, hey, you want to get your music performed right for choir. Yep. You know, because, or band. Uh-huh. Because, uh, you know, wind band and choir, there uh-huh. are more pieces, new works commissioned and performed for those ensembles than, than, than any other. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about Shadow and Light before. I mean, there aren't that many orchestral commissions that come along. No. You know? And so, but again, if you want, if you want, and again, to have that relationship with, with someone who's, who's, um, who's asking you to write a piece for their ensemble. And, yeah. And then you have a relationship with the ensemble. Right. I had the most, this is, I'm, I'm still kind of buzzed from this, is I just came <laughs> back a couple weeks ago. Um, I was, well, I was in Spain with my sister. She's an artist, and she had a piece uh, in a show in Barcelona. And I have my first international commission. It was for the New Dublin Voices. And I thought, well, I'm all the way over there. I could not be there for the premiere. You've got to go to Dublin. Well, the premiere is this weekend, (laughs) and I really wanted to be there for the premiere, but I have a gig in Cleveland. I'm going to Cleveland this, this weekend. But at any rate, it's better to be there in rehearsal, actually. I mean, if you go for the premiere, that's nice. You go, and they say, oh, that was oh, lovely. Yeah, People Joan, applaud. Yay. Here's Joan. Yeah. So much uh, um, richer to be in the rehearsal environment because with the singers. The, because that, I think, because and, you're getting that direct feedback. Yes, and I'm able to give to give them feedback mm-hmm. and insight. And, oh, my God, what a fantastic choir. What is the choir again? It's called the New Dublin Voices. Mm-hmm. And they had a project... Um, that uh, involves, uh, they wrote a grant to the Irish Arts Council. They commissioned five composers, and it's an international group, um, to uh, write settings on uh, Irish poets who were writing about World War I. Oh. And they're presenting a, a rem- you know, I think they call it Remembrance Day uh, presentation this, this mm-hmm. weekend. And um, I ended up, speaking of painters, I actually ended up setting a poem by someone who's a famous uh, uh, Irish painter, William Orpin, and he was one of the, you know how they have like war photographers? Well, they didn't have that then. They had war uh, uh, pa- you know, illustrators and painters. He was actually on the front and, and creating images, but he wrote this really huh. intense poem about coming upon this scene. Um, it's called The Church in... Um, I can't remember some talent Russell's. At any rate, I didn't call, I didn't give it the poem name. I called it every uh, uh, nothing but mud, because the poem is about mud covering everything and the ruins and the. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really kind of graphic, but it was it was there's some there was something again very fresh about it. Maybe because he's not a poet, you know, he's an mm-hmm. artist, you know, writing about this thing and um, and that's what you set to music. That's what I set. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I could probably. Hmm. Place I write. Um, I write um, things that are also based on emotion, but from a feeling. You know, I mean, it's like you said before. When you get the, you get that kind of. I'm wiggling my fingers. You know, you get that kind of tingling sensation. Yeah. yeah. It's something that in me that says, "Oh my God, I have to write a song." It's like the universe knocking on my brain and saying, "Hey." There's an idea coming through. Pay right. attention. Well, you're writing the lyrics too. Yes, right. I am. See, see, what I don't typically. I mean, I have done a few. Mostly, I mean, I'm very inspired by language. Uh huh. 
the techniques that I use are all the same that any, anybody else uses, but I hope, I mean, that, that they manage to sound sound fresh, you know. Yeah. But I, I don't think that creativity is doing something that nobody else has done before, making sounds that no one else has heard before. That's a, that's a certain kind. Yeah. I think in writing um, vocal music, I mean, I write for I write for the instrument. Now there are some really powerful, interesting um, contemporary and actually older works, you know, mm -hmm. for voice that are extremely powerful um, that are not necessarily in the voice lyrical that use the voice in other ways. Yeah, that's not been my calling. Right. You know, my calling is primarily to illuminate text, particularly if I'm writing for a choir. I feel like if I've found the right text, that's like 75% of the work uh -huh. because I get so tuned in to the words. I love right. language. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and that's your gift. Yeah, but you have to, I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes I feel like, oh my God, if I never wrote another choral piece, mm -hmm. I'd be fine with that. But that means that, <laughs> that means that you've done a good job expressing your soul. Well, I you know, think, I think that's what that means. I, I guess. Well, you know, even if if I even if I never wrote another piece, I feel so blessed that um, there's been pieces of music of mine that have been sung all over the place and that have just like yeah reached in to people's um, yeah. hearts and and nicely done, John. Them. <laughs> well, you know, I I've I've. You know, I hear that often enough, and and, and, and again, it, it's more it's more humbling than gratifying. That's the honest, that's the universe you know? telling you you're doing the right thing. So. Well, that's good. So, what do you think? Is the soup done? Yeah. Let's go check on it. Let's go check it. Let's yeah. go check it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because frankly, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry too. So now what we do? Oh yes, yes. Look at this. See how these lentils are all nice and it's soft, beautiful. So what I'm gonna do is I'm going to take out a a, a good chunk of it. It's a good size soup bowl. Yeah. I mean, good for, size. For, well, I mean, I'm not going to measure that's this. That's like a mama bear soup bowl. Well, it's, it, I think it's a vegetable bowl is what it is. But, um, <laughs> but I'm going to take out a chunk so we can have our chunkies. And then I'm going to puree with my immersion. I don't know, honestly, two things that I think every kitchen should have. A good knife. Good knife. Well, that's three then. Okay. Good <laughs> knives. A garlic press. Uh-huh. People don't know how to use these. Oh, I don't want to clean it. You know how you use a garlic press? You don't peel the garlic. You put it in with all the skin. Uh-huh. And then you do it. And when you pull it up, the skin comes out on this thing. It's and then real, it's all crushed. It's all, it's all crushed. You anyway, know what? Good I've always press. done it without the skin, and I'm one of those people that I didn't want to clean the garlic mm -hmm. press. But you've brought new light, new hope well, to the garlic press. Well, that. And then the third thing is an immersion blender. I do you all know, one. Particularly for soups. Also for making things like a popovers and Dutch babies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So what I'm gonna do and what's I'm cool standing about over it here by the way. Is right in the pot. <laughs> so that's nice and pureed, right? Cool thing about this Cuisinart is that Yeah, it's beautiful. This comes off. I am and insanely so, jealous. I do not have that. Oh, you can get capability. these. You can get these for like twenty dollars. Okay, that's pureed, and then you put this stuff back in here so that it's a nice, has a nice look to it. Mm-hmm. It's like nice and chunky. Mm-hmm. But it, also it a beautiful pureed. consistency. 
It yeah. almost looks like tomato soup. And it was that beautiful color comes from that, um, well, from the lentils, but also from that, remember the tomato paste that we put okay. in there. I'm bringing the bowls, so, John. So then, I know you're really hungry. So, okay, let's do the bowls, and then we have to garnish. And here's the thing. Like most soups, this tastes better on the second and third day. This yes, will be okay, uh -huh. but it's not going to be nearly as good and tasty. But what is essential is that we do the garnish, and it's really what brings the flavor Essential. out. Essential, all right. And what you um, garnish it with is fresh lemon juice and cilantro. Bright and bright. So we're going to put some nice fresh lemon juice in there. Well, that's kind of cool. So you're just squeezing it with your hands, stick on the fork. You got to be careful one. that you don't, you know, seeds yeah. or stab yourself. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, I mean, as I am reminded often, I'm kind of a klutz sometimes, so I would have to be extra careful. So I'm gonna mix that up, and then and you could put like a do little dollop of yogurt or sour cream in that uh -huh. if you'd like. This is another thing that I've just learned by. You know when you when you buy cilantro, if you leave it in the bag like in a day, it gets all creepy and, and mucky and brown. <laughs> creepy well, because, cilantro. Because you don't want to leave it and you want to take it out, mm -hmm. just like with basil, and put it in, put a, it in, in a glass with water. Yeah, and that's keeps, a, such a great basil trick. It keeps for a long time. Okay. I hope you like cilantro. I love cilantro. I do. And we're going to have, uh, we have plates for potatoes. And so I have plates for potatoes. So I'll bring the plates over for potatoes. And we're going to get the ones that are just coming out of the oven because I think they're, they're a little bit better. Oh, smells so good. And also what I like to do with these sometimes, uh -huh. these potatoes, like I will make, I will make, so you can see that big bag. I'll make a whole two, three, I'll make a whole three pounds of potatoes. Yep. They keep really well. Put them in the toaster and broiler, and they're like, they just Oh, that crash. sounds good. I like them in salads. So I will make a big green salad, and I have leftover potatoes, and then I'll also have uh, maple pecans that I, in fact, I was going to make maple pecans, and I didn't. Oh, that sounds so good. They're really good with, with the potatoes. All right. And well, let's dig in. Don't burn yourself. I'm telling you. It's I'm really not going to burn myself. Okay, I'm worried about you. <laughs> well, you know, have you ever done this? No, seriously. Have you ever like made like a really great meal and then you're burnt so your anxious, you burn your tongue and then you can't enjoy it? Yes. I won't do that, I promise. Okay. Okay. I hope mm. the soup is salted enough. And if it's not, mm. it's perfect. You don't oh. want salt? Mmm, mmm, Joan, it's so good. Isn't it good? And it's good for you. See, and the thing about the potatoes... Well, potatoes by themselves, if they're a side, they're not a meal, but, you know, you, you, this is um, good protein. Mm-hmm. Lentils, lentil excellent soup. protein. Excellent protein. And plus the chicken broth. Did you want a little dollop of, of yogurt? Mm. No? Okay. It is perfect, just the way it is. Really? Okay. It reminds me, the consistency reminds me of like, uh, you know how you get a oh, white good. bean soup? And it's the beans are broken up a little bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's kind of exactly what well, we did with the immersion blender. And it's yeah. that lemon really does add that and the cilantro and has cilantro. that mm -hmm. that burst of light, mm -hmm, I think. Mm -hmm. Um that makes it so where can people hear um some of your compositions in the near future? Anything well, live coming oh get in Dublin. This in, weekend. Well, in Dublin this weekend. <laughs> in <laughs> Seattle. I'm actually really, uh, I wish I could hear the performance, but I, I have this gig in Portland. Mm -hmm. um, Seattle Pro Musica. Karen, do you know Karen Thomas, Seattle Pro Musica? Uh -uh. She's an excellent, excellent choir. She, with her women, she's doing a piece of mine called O Lux Beatissima. There is a fabulous um, high school choir in Lake Oswego. Mm -hmm. 
Aubrey Patterson, I think is the director. They're doing a kind of a newer work of mine. You would you would love this. I love this piece. It's it's a, it's kind of a rollicking winter piece, but it's not Santa and it's not Jesus. Uh huh. You know, it's it's about kind of the rush of riding your horse in the snow in winter. That's and, fun. And it's yeah, it's really fun. So there. You have you have JoanShimko.com, right? I am JoanShimko.com, and you and can you can you can listen. And that's spelled, <laughs> you can listen for hours. That is spelled very <laughs> very website. differently. That's um, S Z Y M. K-O. Yeah. And Joan, spelled uh-huh. very differently. J-O-A-N. J-O-A-N. That's the one dot com. Yeah. Mm. I, oh, I can't believe I, I didn't mention you were saying when you when can you hear my music. Well, you know, I direct Aurora Chorus uh-huh. in Portland and have for 25 years. Uh-huh. In fact, I moved down to Portland to take that gig. Oh. Yeah. I'm still doing it. Um, it's a wonderful community, but I've been on leave this fall. That's a women's choir, right? A women's choir. I've been on leave. And but they're doing, they're doing a couple of my pieces in their upcoming um, concert, December fourteenth and fifteenth downtown at First Congregational Church. Uh huh. And I know for sure they're doing a couple of my pieces. And in fact, the title of the concert is uh, a line from one of those pieces. I I think at this point almost everybody has heard the Mary Oliver quote. Tell me what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life, uh-huh. right? So the concert's called Your One Wild and Precious Life, and they are singing my my setting of uh, Mary Oliver's uh, The Summer Day. And let's see what else I got. Eleanor Daly, John Lennon. It looks like it'll be a... Well, it sounds like a fabulous concert. Oh, do you know the Severin sisters? I'm looking forward to hearing them. They're a bluegrass band, so they're going to do something with them as well. Anyway, so you can hear my music sung by Aurora Chorus. All right. Well, <laughs> you can also hear my music at uh, Do Jump Movement Theater's upcoming holiday show, which is going to be at the Alberta Rose. Just look up dojump.org um, for dates and tickets. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the pieces, it's, it's, it's recording, but it's absolutely beautiful setting of, of words by Chagall. And the, the music with the movement is just something to behold. I did a so, Do Jump concert with you, um, or for you, many years ago at this point. I mean, it must have been 1995, I think. A long, 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 a long time, time ago. ago but right. it was a pretty impressive thing All to right. be... Backstage, well, there's this this you know like acrobatic kind of thing going well, on. Pretty and we cool. were we were down on on stage quite a bit too. But anyway, so that and then I'm um, putting together a uh, a small um, ensemble to be singing live with a recorded backtrack of of another of um, uh, actually another Mary Oliver piece. But that's that's just a great fun show. It's a way to get into the holiday spirit again without. Um, Kind of the usual, typical um, fun, but yeah. you know, trappings something of Christmas, different. something different and yeah. definitely festive and definitely fun. Right. Do jump. Well, this soup is absolutely delicious. And thank you so much for agreeing to, you know, sit here and talk with me and, and you know, cook together and talk about your music. Well, and it's, it's been fun. I just Are you going to stay and clean up my kitchen too? <laughs> Sure, John. No, no, that's Pour right. me some more wine. We'll see yeah, there we Anything go. can happen in the uh-huh. kitchen, so there you go. Uh-huh. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Happy to, to be a part of the, the, the phenomenon. The Marty, right, family. phenomena, the family. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I should mention to my listeners that um, at the end of November, coming to print is the first ever season one Marty's Music Kitchen cookbook. Very good. So I'm very excited. Yay! And uh, hopefully um, you will be willing to share one of these recipes with our season two cookbook, which will come out next.
next year. I would be delighted. Yay! I'd be honored. <laughs> I'd be honored. Well, thanks again, yeah. and I'm just going to shut up and eat my soup. <laughs> you do that. Well, um, let's do one more toast. Let's see. Here's to good food and good music. Good food and good music. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I'm your host, jazz singer Marty Mendenhall, inviting you to get your free digital copy of the Season 1 cookbook. Find out how at patreon.com forward slash Marty Mendenhall. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time on Marty's Music Kitchen. <laughs>